some of our software technologies we had in place for for accounting type purposes broke uh, because of just the huge the number the volume of of that transaction of, of that process. We had one buyer, I believe he purchased over ten thousand individual items. I might be right, and so the invoicing system broke right because it went, my gosh, what person in their right mind would ever buy that many items? Um, and so the the inventory. The, the invoicing system broke because a buyer bought just so many. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Happy Dog Sound Bites podcast. Today's special guest is John Schultz from Graph Auction. John is a, a very special individual because he's been in the auction industry for over 20 years. He's served as the NAA, which stands for National Auctioneers Association, lead instructor for auction marketing management and focusing actually on modern data-driven auction marketing. Uh, he's also received the golden gavel, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he's achieved a lot of different and cool things, and we'll get to know him in a little bit here. So without further ado, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, not a problem. Well, just like all of, all of our other episodes have started, let's just uh, get to know a little bit more about yourself. Can you tell me more about yourself and your business? Sure. So you, you t- started to touch on a little bit. So I've been in the auction industry for over 20 years. Um, my current role is chief marketing and technology officer for a company called Graph Auction, which is based in, in Minnesota here. Uh, and we're a nationwide uh commercial and industrial auction company. So we sell at auction commercial and industrial assets all over the United States uh, for small businesses to big businesses and kind of everything in between. Uh, And we've been doing that since 1959. Um, And and personally, you touched on it. I I teach a a marketing designation for the National Auctioneers Association. And I also serve as a, a director on the board of directors for the National Auctioneers Association there. I'm in my second year there um, as a director there. So um, that's and, kind of a little bit about me. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. And, and about Graph Auction, you mentioned you worked with um, businesses of all sizes, but do you have any uh, more specifics on the types of businesses? Do you typically specialize in one area or are you really all over the board? So we do have a specialization and then we kind of stray from that specialization. So um, we specialize in food service equipment for sure. So we sell a lot of, of assets from closed grocery stores and restaurants and, and food manufacturing facilities, things of that nature. And in addition to that, we also specialize in really closed businesses, you know, a business closes, but uh, some of those clients is clients might include clients and do include clients at target, Home Depot, Staples, um, Walmart. Uh, when these businesses close, right, they we come in and we help assist them with that process to to recover what we can for for them from their their fixed assets uh, within the facilities. And it's it's not that the business itself is closing; they're just they have some locations that are troubled and they're winding down or want to. Uh, I guess, close just locations. And that's where you can kind of go in and help them out. Yeah. Yeah. A a mix, you know, so, so a a target annually closes their 
least performing stores, right? So they they're always adding new stores, but they close and 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 remove and and stop servicing their their least performing stores and so um that, that's good business right right like okay continually be opening new markets but at the same time be identifying markets where you might be weak to close see with those bigger companies that's what that looks like um with a smaller company a lot of times it's hey we're a we're a we're a small family business and we're to the end um, and it's time to retire. And so those, those type of events are, are more geared around that, right? Like how do yeah. we transition them out of owning a business into, into retirement or their next, their next steps in life. Yeah. And, and that kind of segues perfectly into the next thing I was going to ask you about is those troubled companies, those ones that are they're winding down or they're starting to fail or the pandemic hit them or whatever it might be. So how do you believe that your services and the auction industry is in general uh, helps save those troubled companies and return them to solvency? Um, in, in a couple of ways. Um, in many cases, we're a, we're a vehicle by which a, a troubled company can access much needed capital. Often troubled companies that have solvency issues have a cash flow process and they, and they need to generate cash flow from something other than their general day-to-day business operations. And so uh, our, our model helps these companies do that. We were able to go in and with them identify, okay, what are some assets that are no longer needed or not high priority assets or maybe store locations uh, and help turn those assets into much needed cash for them. Um, And so a lot of times those cash infusions um, are able to like help solve some financial problems there, either through closing a location or, or turning unused assets into, into cash um, so that they can reduce overhead uh, through that. So the auction method is really an effective way to maximize dollars um, in, in, in assets that are otherwise hard to monetize, right? <laughs> So can you expand on that a little bit? You said that the auction method is a great way to maximize your dollars. So for the, the layman who just doesn't know much about the industry, how is that so? Like how, how does auctioning really maximize the, the capital that you could get? Sure. So so for us, I like to equate it to this. So in a world filled with uh, fake news and non-transparency and and Seek, not secret deals, but handshake deals. The auction method is is a very transparent process. It's a public auction, uh, open to all members of the public. It's very transparent. Um, it's a process by which um, we sell assets through a, through a a, mark, a a marketing program where we market the assets to a, a bunch of consumers, uh, and then we. Consumers are able to participate in the auction and, and bid, uh, and the bidding is not. You don't get an unfair advantage over the other. The only advantage is is that the highest bidder on that item on the day of the auction wins, and so it's it's really a level playing field that's very transparent and fair to all because all participants participate under the same terms. So we have found that to be a method by which we're able to obtain high results for our clients because because of the marketing and then the transparent process. People really like that. And when you engage okay. with your, when you engage with your customers and clients, do they typically either 
overestimate or underestimate how much they think they can get in return with the goods that they're selling through auctioning? Yeah, it depends on the client. Um, corporate clients tend to underestimate. So targets and bigger bigger clients tend to underestimate because to them, it's just they've used the value of the assets. It's time to move on to their next store or their next project. And to them, it's just get it out of the way. Um, and so that type of a client, bigger, bigger clients tend to underestimate. Small clients, so mom and pop, small small to medium-sized businesses yeah, tend to overestimate a little bit because they have a little bit more of an emotional attachment to their, their, their items. Um, and that emotional attachment then increases what their perceived value of the asset is, um, as opposed to the general public, right? The buying public doesn't have that perceived emotional attachment generally to the items. And so they, they don't, attribute as high of a, a value to it. So you've kind of got a, a mix there. Okay. Of, of, of both, I guess. Okay. And the, I guess the crystal ball golden question is how do you approach estimating that? How do you approach going to a client and saying, well, you know, I think you could get X amount of dollars for what you have. I mean, that's obviously seeing into the future, which you have no idea what people are going to bid on for things. So how do you, how do you handle that? So for us, there's a, a historical piece to it. Um, our, our website is built in a way that we're able to, to leverage through some tools that are that are built in there uh, past historical data. So we can go in and search and be like, hey, Hobart M802, and it'll pull up every Hobart M802 we've ever sold and the prices, right? And that that helps us. So historical experience, right? Being in business since 1959, selling the same stuff over and over and over for over 60 years certainly hasn't hurt us. Um, and doing the same type of transactions on a regular basis definitely helps. So we begin to both grow a, a gut sense and also a data sense, right? Because we have the data there so uh, as to what we can expect. So we're able to walk into most facilities if it's something that we sell on a somewhat regular basis and take a, take a, take a mental inventory of everything there and come up with a value that's fairly realistic. And that's a regular exercise we do with all of our projects. There's always a and this is what we believe uh, recovery will look like. And, and to recover those dollars, this is what we believe the expenses will be, right? And so we can get you a, a kind of a narrow customer down to or a client down to a net recovery kind of pretty quickly. So, okay. Uh, that works, you know, really well for objects and things that you've have data on before. And a sideways pivot from that is sometimes you get these auctions where you you're dealing with stuff that you've never really sold before. And I want to ask you specifically about an auction that I know you've tackled before. And that is when you auctioned off an entire town. And that, that in itself is a crazy story. So can you please, uh, um, for everybody, tell the story about when you auctioned off an entire town? We did. We did. I believe the year was 2010. I may be incorrect. Uh, but we were contacted by a family in, in rural Iowa um, that, through various land dealings, uh, owned the entire town. Um, they owned the grocery store, the hardware store, the blacksmith shop, all of these things as a family. And then in the 19, if I, if I recall correctly, um, 
in the 1950s, they decided that they were done being in business. And so they literally closed all of these businesses um, in this community and shuttered the doors. And they sat there until we arrived on the scene in 2000. And, and I think it was 2010 um, to have an auction for them. And they and we op- literally opened the doors right uh, in Scotch Grove, Iowa. The, the community is Scotch Grove, Iowa. And all these stores were still filled with the non-perishable goods. The blacksmith shop had everything. Uh, the grocery store had all the non-perishable food and items still in it. The The hardware store was still filled with all of the hardware items that you would be common in the 1950s. Uh, it was all there, still on the shelves with the price tags on it. Um, uh, and in addition to that, we even sold the real estate for that family also at that auction. And that was a massive undertaking that took us uh, three days selling four auctioneers selling simultaneously at all times for all all three days um, and was very well attended. Thousands of people, um, public public television broadcast live from the auction um, on multiple days and radio was there broadcasting live. There was actually a literally a media row with media set up. So. It was quite an experience, probably one I'll never get to repeat in life just because there's so few of those type of opportunities Um, and logistically challenging. We worked on that project for months and months and months and months. And then some of our software technologies we had in place for for accounting type purposes broke uh, because of just the huge number, the volume of of that transaction of, of of. that process. We have one buyer, I believe he purchased over 10,000 individual items. I might be <laughs> right. And so the invoicing system broke, right? Because it went, my gosh, what person in their right mind would ever buy that many items? Um, and so the, the inventory, the, the invoicing system broke because a buyer bought just so many items. The system wasn't designed to sell that many items to one buyer. So it was it was a it was a project. It was fun, right? And and that's one of those events. Like you, getting back to your previous question, like oh, how the heck do you figure out what it's worth? You know, and, and in this case, there wasn't an easy way to figure out what it was worth, um, other than our gut knowing that you know there's going to be high demand for this. We know what the expenses are going to look like uh, based on our experience. We're going to beat the expenses. Um, we had a motivated seller. It was a family estate situation. They were motivated to sell it. So sometimes we just all kind of step out in faith and be like, all right, we're going to put together a good marketing program and we're going to put together a good logistics program and, and let's go to town and see what we can get accomplished for you. And that was, you think that was the craziest auction that you've ever held? Yeah, that was that. That's by far the craziest auction we've ever held we've held some crazy ones but that is, that one i think takes the cake you know selling an entire town in iowa rural iowa just <laughs> i don't know if i'll ever repeat that right i'm in my mid, my, my early to mid 40s right now and in 20 some years i've not topped that at all and so when you talk to that family and they realize that they needed a solution and they needed a turnaround solution and yeah, you deal with this all the time where businesses are typically to that point where they realize they need a turnaround solution to help them get that capital. Um, what's the biggest thing you think holding some businesses back from using a service, a service such as yours? Um, 
holding them back, I think some of it is a bit of denial. You know, a lot of times businesses are in denial that, no, we'll be able to turn it around. We'll be able to turn it around. So that holds them back a little bit. Um, and, and, and coupled with that denial sometimes is is the idea that when people go into business, right, they go into business thinking they'll succeed. And so the entry plan, if you will, and the ongoing business operations plan is pretty good. But the, hey, if this doesn't work plan for most companies, it doesn't exist, right? And, and because of that, 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 that makes that process for most, most companies that are needing to go through this process uh, a very cumbersome process for them because they try to do it themselves. They don't estimate timelines correctly. In fact, we just finished a bankruptcy with a client, um, a major, a major retailer, um, soft goods retailer that has filed bankruptcy and now they're down to their last office. Um, we've done multiple distribution centers for them and multiple, they also had a multiple store closures, hundreds of store closures actually. Um, and, consistently it would show up that they'd call us and be like, Hey, I need to empty eight stories of office building of all of this, the, the, the office equipment, but you've got to have it done in the next 12 days. Right. And it, it's just not physically possible to do some of the things because businesses often don't understand what it's going to take to, to wind down and sell and capture that equity. Right. And so, mm-hmm. That's the that's what holds them back, right? They just a bit, a bit of denial, and then no real plan as to how to wind down, um, and no no real understanding of what timelines look like to, to wind down in a, in a way that will maximize returns for the for themselves and in many times for the creditors. And when you do talk to them and. You finally get them over the denial factor, and then you have some conversations about winding down appropriately, and and they finally engage with you. What is that first light bulb, that aha moment that goes off, insinuating that, hey, I should have done this sooner? Um, for most of them, the first light bulb moment is when we actually post, post auctions, this day of the auction, send them the results, and they go, oh, my gosh. There was real money there. I thought that was a bunch of junk or that was that that's when their moment kind of that's really crystallizes it for them. Right. And they go, oh, oh, we could have done this better or earlier and maybe helped, you know, with these cash flow things. Um, mm-hmm. So that that is a. Of the real light bulb moment, and, and the other moment it happens kind of earlier in the process when they start trusting us um, as as truly having their best interest at heart. Um, what happens is, is they start to realize, like, oh, boy, you guys have been through this before. You know, you, you can tell a client all all you want that we've done this, we've got it, this experience, like da 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 da. We do this all of the time, but until they actually start to experience it and be like, oh, you really have been through this before, and you really do know how this works and the and you can kind of hold that client's hand that's where the light bulb also starts kind of digging off for them and we find that you know most of our clients that are are bigger institutions that that are have ongoing operations you know they tend to use us over and over and over and over because they they find that 
oh, this makes sense both financially and it's an easy, easy type of a transaction. It's not a complex, hard transaction if, you know, they can really just, we have some clients that literally just call us and say, hey, I've got this store, it's closing, take care of it. And from there, we, you know, we go take care of it. So you'd mentioned the second light bulb that kind of goes off is when the, when they trust you, but just before that moment, when, before they trust you, they might have be thinking about a myth about your profession that, you know, is the reason they're not trusting you right away. So what do you think is, what is a common myth about the auction industry that you'd like to debunk? So I think the biggest myth is that we're out to, to get you. Um, there's this, there's this idea that, uh, they're just an auction. Uh, things don't sell well at auction. They only, it only is a good vehicle for when you're selling distressed assets and, and, it, and it's, and it's not, um, the, the, the myth should be the fact, which is auctions work really well to sell all assets. And when you look at the best assets in the world, right? Like when you read that, oh, a record was set on the sale of this car, it was at auction. A record was set on the sale of this Rolex watch, it was at auction, right? A record was set on the sale of this artwork, it was at auction, right? And so an auction is what's going to, best maximize dollars uh, of assets in, in a level transparent way. Uh, and so the, the myth that auctions can only be used for really high dollar items or just junk is the farthest, farthest from the truth. You know, we routine, routine, routinely sell um, really quality assets and, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing. And the, the second myth is, if you will, if you'll let me have a second myth, is this, that having an auction is not going to hurt your brand. Um, for for a long time, Harris Teeter, still a client, Harris Teeter, not owned by Kroger, Harris Teeter would not allow us to use Harris Teeter's logo anywhere in our marketing um, because they felt like it diminished the results of their auction and put a bad light on it. Uh, Kroger, which at the time wasn't their parent company and, and is a client of ours, uh, uh, absolutely allowed us to use their logo in their marketing. And as a result, they benefited from it because people are like, oh, that's Kroger equipment. Cool. I want that equipment. Right. Um, so there was this this idea like Harris Teeter was like, oh, we just don't want to do it. And Harris Teeter now since has been purchased by Kroger and now we're able to use the Harris Teeter logo in the marketing. And now Harris Teeter is like realizing and, they, and are realizing better returns because of their brand awareness of Harris Teeter. Right. And so this idea that you being associated with an auction is going to hurt your brand. It just it's just not the case. It absolutely isn't the case. Like it's not a yeah, bad stigma to have an auction. And you can debunk ten myths if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but those two are good. And, and part of what you do is also technology. It's it's in your LinkedIn profile. We touched it on it earlier. And so I'd like to ask you some tech questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. So, what's your favorite software and or app to use in business? Yeah. I don't know if I have a super favorite one. My favorite one for our company, though, I think is Slack. I really like Slack. Um, we used to have a gatekeeper problem, quote unquote, in which uh, there was one person, which unfortunately was me or fortunately, that 
kept a lot of information and it required people to come to me for a lot of information. When we got our company set up on Slack and away from email and away from a gatekeeper mentality, and so there was a more open, transparent communication, um, that really started to revolutionize us. So that that's that's probably my favorite tool um, for communication and, and and favorite app. You know, it's on my phone, obviously, so I use it all the time. So it's probably the one I have open the most to. And um Aside from apps, talking about custom technology, there are there is some custom technology in the auction industry. However, there's a lot of third-party technology as well. Um, but how uh, does custom technology uh, help your business or the help the people that hire you to work with them? So as you know, you and I have a relationship, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, you as CEO of Happy Dog, uh, and, and me in my role at Craft Auction, um, you you at Happy Dog have created custom technology for us. In fact, our, our website, graphauction.com, is is completely custom built um, by your team. Um, and the well, on the front side, it, it looks cool and does a lot of fun stuff. For me, on the back side, it does a ton of cool reporting um, and notifications of customers and and automatic notifications and accounting. And what what custom technology has allowed us to do anyways is we used to have uh, two or three or four pieces of software that we all kind of had duct taped together to kind of create a a package where now we have one piece of of custom technology built for us, for our business, that is all cloud-based, that is tailored exactly to what we need. And it, it just makes us so much more efficient. Um, and our customers see it and also our clients because of the tools, you know, that we have built in there that just don't, that exist in the world, but you've got to patch them on and bolt them on and duct tape them on. Where with us, by having a custom technology solution, it's it's one-stop shopping. And that really shines for clients and, and for customers. You know, they see that like, Hey, I want this. And they're like, oh, it's right there in your profile. It's right there in your invoices. Hey, as a client, I want, we need to have this, this, and this. Cool. That's already built in. Here you go. Here's the access to that. So that's that's been the cool thing with custom technology is. is. And how much of a competitive advantage do you believe that gives you? It gives us a lot. Uh, our problem prior to this, our current website and current product, the platform there or system was that in the auction world, there's there's not very many vendors uh, that provide the the core services that an auctioneer uses. You know, cataloging, invoicing, uh, website. There's a couple others, right? Um, and so we would use one platform, and then our competitors would see that, and then they would go use the platform. And so we weren't able to differentiate um, ourselves from our competitors based on the, the service providers we were providing, right? We use online bidding. We use a particular, used to use a particular platform, right? Our competitors saw that and they'd go use it. Um, and so when you go meet with a client, the client would be like, well, why do I want to use you? What's the difference between you and them? You've all used the same technology solution here. Um, and so when we shifted to 100% our own platform with our own technology that we own, our competitors couldn't switch. Right. It wasn't like they, they go, oh, yeah, we want 
that. Like they couldn't do that. And so because of that, um, we have seen tremendous growth. Um, we are going to cross, I think this year, we're, well, right now we're over 91,000 unique customers in our database. Um, and we're soon, I think by the end of the year, we'll cross over 100,000 unique customers within our database of, of people that have created an account and used our system uh, within the last, I want to say, two years, two and a half years of, of using it for, at fully with its online bidding. So that's a huge advantage. And then we have that data and we have those customer contacts and that customer relationship. It's not with a third party. It's not being shared with our competitors. It's, it's ours. Um, so it's, it's become a very real, tangible asset of our company. Um, and you've taken this conversation full circle now where we originally talked about how you can help people with turnaround solutions. And I think that is probably an amazing way where you can say you're doing something that nobody else can do. Here's data. Here's proof um, due to your custom software technology. So um, and on the flip side, other other the technological those pain points in your industry from, let's say, some competitors. Uh, you had mentioned a few of them, like sometimes they have to duct tape a bunch of software together. Um, what are some other pain points that you see in your industry? The idea of I'm a big and, and you know this, I'm a big touch it once kind of guy. So in my brain, one of the pain points for most most in our industry for most auction companies is they touch data a bunch of times, right? They go and take photos and then they upload it here and then they have to export it here and then they have to re-import it here and they have to, right? For us, it's it's a touch it once kind of solution, right? Everything is within the same system. There's not using this service provider to do, uh, you know, scheduling. We It's all built into our system. Um, as you know, we're getting ready to do some more building out some more notifications, both email and text and in, in on website, uh, on platform, if you will, notifications. So it's, it's an all a cohesive system. And while we have some third party pieces, as you know, that kind of plug in there, they actually plug in through APIs. They're not being plugged in through duct tape. Um, so the ability to touch it once is big. Um, the other big pain point for a lot of people is, is, inefficiencies, right? Um, there's a lot of things that our software does that make things efficient um, where I don't have to think about it, right? Uh, customers can pay their invoices right through the website without ever talking to a human. Not that we don't want to talk to the customers, but when we interface with the customers, we want it to be not so much a transactional conversation, but a, an actual conversation, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, the big thing is, you know, most companies, a pain point for most auction companies is that they don't leverage technology and the technology tools available to them um, to the full extent they can. And, and where we try to, how can we use technology to, to maximize and, well, well, minimize the choke points, right? Where are those choke points in our business that slow our efficiencies down? And how can we use technology to solve those problems? Um, that's a big pain point in the industry that's not being addressed well by most companies. 
Perfect. So we've talked about yourself. We've talked about some technology and we've talked about Graph Auction and, and all the amazing things you can do. But I want to learn a little bit more about you and I think everybody else does, does too. So I want to do something that's called the lightning round where I'll throw a all few right. questions at you. There's no such thing as a wrong answer. Um, just first thing that pops to your mind, answer it and we'll just go from there. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. All right. The staple first question as always is what's your favorite food? My favorite food is hot dogs. As crazy as that is, my favorite food is hot dogs. I love hot dogs. Like a specific kind, like chili dogs or from a stadium or just the ones you get at the grocery store or, you know, Chicago. Yeah, all of the like, above. What is it? I, all of the above. In fact, I recently, here's, I bet you didn't know, I recently had a food challenge at a restaurant and I ate a 22 inch hot dog in uh, 14 minutes. I had a really cool t-shirt to prove it and a picture on a wall at a restaurant somewhere. But Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, so hot dogs to me, it doesn't matter the flavor. It doesn't matter the style. Although I do prefer, prefer a Chicago style hot dog. That is awesome. But any kind of hot dog, uh, I'm all in. Nice. And my wife laughs about it and it's, but it is what I love. One of my foods that I love. I also love other foods, but that, if you had to pick a favorite, that's my favorite. You kind of answered my next question with your first question, but I'm just going to ask it again anyways. Uh, so what is a quirky thing about you that no one knows about you? I mean, I, I, that I can do food challenges, I think, is a quirky thing that people don't realize about me, right? Um, like, take the hot dog. That was it. There was also French fries involved there. Um, that was supposed to take thirty minutes. I knocked it off in fourteen minutes, plus drinking beer and talking while I did it. Um, so, f- food for me, I can eat a tremendous amount of food. Um, in fact, got done eating the hot dog and all the French fries, and like 20 minutes later, I'm like, man, I'm kind of hungry. What should we get for dessert? <laughs> so food for me is probably the quirky thing. Like you wouldn't tell I'm 240 pounds, 6'2", so I'm not like obese or anything like that. Uh, but I can put away the food. No problem. Nice. That's probably the quirky, weird thing about me. Now, what's the favorite place that you've traveled? Okay, the favorite place that I traveled was with my wife on our honeymoon. So we were married um, almost two years ago now, uh, and we went on a cruise in the Mediterranean, a 10-day cruise through the Mediterranean. And that by far was the the coolest thing. We hit Spain. we went down the coast of Spain, up the coast of of Italy, across the bottom of the coast of France, and then back to Spain across 11 days. And that was amazing. The best vacation, the best place I've ever been to. If, if we're going in the United States and you want to go to a really cool place, Lake Tahoe, well, I'm not a skier, Lake Tahoe is beautiful. It's a beautiful part of our country. Um, you get up there in the, those hills uh, with tons of cool history, too, because Donner Pass isn't far from there and all of that history, too. So Nice. Now, what's one thing that you're addicted to? One thing I'm addicted to. This is going to sound funny and quirky. I'm not really addicted to a lot of things, but I am addicted to a nice lawn. Uh, And my wife teases me about this all the time in my family because I really take pride in what our lawn looks like. And 
it's not uncommon for me to mow the lawn two times a week or, or sometimes even more if I think it's kind of getting a little out of control. So I, that's probably my addiction is mowing the lawn. Uh, might sound crazy. That and, and reading books. I, I, I'm a habitual uh, book reader, right? And so it's not uncommon for me to read an entire book in a day. So have you laid down the the fall fertilizer, the winter pre-fertilizing type stuff already? You've already got the chemicals in? Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm not a big chemical guy, so everything I do to the lawn is organic. Oh. So um, I put the organic fertilizer down around Labor Day, and then I've got another one coming up the 24th of October. I'll put down another organic uh, fertilizer and then also some lime for our lawn. So we're really clay here. So. Absolutely. I've got a calendar. I've got notes as to how long I mow the lawn each time and things like that. So I may be a bit crazy that way, (laughs) but all organic. I'm not a big chemical guy. So we do have some weeds in our yard, but uh, so it's not, but I'm more organic that way. Nice. Uh, Last question. What does your future hold? So my, my future holds, more graph auction um that is uh not going away uh in fact i'm uh on the executive team already for our company and soon to be part of the ownership team for our company so that will continue to transition um so the auction industry is is my love and it's where i'm at and I'll continue to do that and continue to push and challenge our company to continue to grow and expand and, and be bigger and better. So um, that's, that's kind of the future, you know, owning the company. Um, our current owner is, is about 14 years older than me. So he's starting to knock on the door of retirement. So we'll transition through that and uh, okay. keep rocking that way and, and, you know, professionally, I mean, I'm, I'm a director in the National Auctioneers Association. I, it's not out of the realm that I might run for vice president and president of that association of auctioneers in the country. So. Nice. So there's yeah. a business that's in the turnaround industry, or there's a business that is failing and needs a little cash injection. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah. So the easiest, two easiest ways, I think, is to pick up the phone and call me. So my cell phone is 612 612- Four three two four zero one five. That's always in my back pocket or on my desk, so feel free to call me there. Or my email, which is John J O H N at, and then our company name, which is GraphAuction.com. I'll spell that because Graph is spelled not like the paper. So John J O H N at G R A F E Auction A U C T I O N dot com. John at GraphAuction.com. Those are the two easiest ways to find us. And then if you're looking just to, hey, I want to learn more about Graph, uh, check out our website, which is GraphAuction.com. And uh, be amazed at that wonderful site. And Ryan, our host, is the the uh, brains behind the company that built this crazy thing for us and gets to re- respond to all our crazy uh, wild ideas. That's the other cool thing about custom, right? It's that mm-hmm. if I have an idea in the middle of the night, then the next morning I wake up and send you guys a message. I'm like, hey, what about this? Yeah. Right. And so, we're happy to do it. Uh, yeah. And I'm also happy that you're able to jump on this podcast with me, John. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, share all your information in the description for each of the podcasts. You can find it on pretty much every major podcast uh, service.